0: Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. We're officially past the bye week, which means it's time to finally get back on schedule and to begin our week six preview. I'm your host, Wit, and I want to welcome you to the first part of our week-long preview as it's officially time to meet the three and two Miami Dolphins. To help me do just that i'm accompanied by the owner of dolphins Talk.com. he is also the lead host of the dolphins talk daily podcast his name is mike oliva and mike i just want to really i want to mention that i'm really you know appreciative that you're taking the time to join us this evening how's it going man it's going well thanks so much for having me on the show hey i'm glad to have you juan i know it's uh been a rough couple of weeks for you but i appreciate you know sticking it through uh we've yeah. had a rough couple of years here in chicago so i know all too well
2: oh yeah absolutely and you know the year started off good, but the past couple of weeks, in particular this past Sunday, was really rough, as yeah, that game was a heartbreaker.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. And real quickly, though, before I get into my first question, I just need to say that, uh, that we have a live viewer who he won last week spontaneously. We have a coffee mug giveaway. Oh, cool. uh, and the winner is Stuart Ross. So real quick, Stuart, now please reach out on Twitter. Make sure to email me at will willadthebearsbrows.com to send me some of that information, and that way I can send you a free Bears Brothers mug. But Mike, with that said, you ready to get going? Let's get going. Great. So I may as well just start with that, and I, have, I apologize in advance, but that collapse that we witnessed on <laughs> Sunday uh, against the Bengals. We had something similar happen to us against Week 1 against Green Bay, and, you know, personally, I understand that with a meltdown like that, frustrations are, of course, going to happen. The Dolphins were up 17-0 in the second half and end up losing 27-17. to And on your post-game wrap-up show, you said that the blame can be shared by two people head coach Adam Gase, and quarterback Ryan Tannehill. Can you explain why?
2: Yes. Adam Gase is, you know, he's he's a very bright young man, and he's, a, and he's a very good coach. But at times he is so stubborn and so stubborn, and he gets away from the running game even when it's working at times. And this past Sunday was a classic case. They are running the ball at five yards a clip. You're in the second half. At the time they're up 17-3. to three. They're in Cincinnati's territory, I believe. They have a third and one. And he calls a play that's a rollout, long pass, with one wide receiver running down the field. And, of course, it goes incomplete. So, and from there, I mean, the next, like, three things that happen, you saw the handwriting on the wall as this is going bad. It starts with the bad play call. Then they punt. And after the punt, they get a taunting penalty from a guy who's been on the team for a week. The guy's literally been on the team for a week, running down a punt, he gets a taunting penalty. Now he gives Cincinnati a position. Um, Cincinnati starts to drive. Miami on third and whatever it was, they make a stop. Cincinnati has to punt. TJ McDonald are in safety. This call is a little questionable, but with the way the rules are these days, it was hitting a defenseless receiver on a pass that was going out of bounds. You could argue it each way. I understand, but he's got to know the rules and how sensitive the league is to those type of plays. It's the drive. Next thing you know, Cincinnati's you know, next thing you know, Cincinnati is just moving the ball up the field, flip the field, and it's like there's just that one play call in that third and one started a chain of events that just sent everything downhill for the Dolphins. And then they lose their starting left tackle, Laramie Tunsell. They're already down their starting guard. They're already down their starting center. Now you're down. You're starting left tackle. And their offensive line's a mess. And Cincinnati went wild, started to blitz left and right. And Ryan Tannehill just turned the ball over um, three times in the fourth quarter and pretty much gave away the game. So that's how it falls on Gase. He has to manage the game better and he has to know you have a 17, nothing lead on the road, um, midway through late in the third quarter, you know, use the clock, the clock's your friend. You don't need to be super creative here and try to hit a home run when you're already up.
0: Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And, the interesting part between these two teams is those connections. You know, Adam Gase, he was our offensive coordinator, and also your current offensive coordinator as well, Dal Walgans. He was our offensive coordinator for uh, the past two years, kind of being the guy to step up after.
1: Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.
0: Adam Gase left a couple of seasons ago. Um, but based off everything I've seen through, you know, some Dolphins fans, uh, your side as well, um, am I correct when I say that the fan base's current feelings about, you know, uh, Ryan Tannehill and Adam Gase is that uh, patience is starting to wear thin?
2: With the quarterback, the patience is gone
0: because he's been here since
2: 2012. And since 2012 to 2018, and yes, he missed last year because of an injury. Not his fault. People get hurt. But there's a body of work there from 2012 to 2018 because he has been the starting quarterback since 2012, and he has not been challenged by anybody once, which is not his fault. Again, that's more of people like Joe Philbin, Adam Gase, that they haven't brought anybody to push him or challenge him. But from 2012 to 2018, he has been the starting quarterback, and he's been – okay and the okay has never improved to good very good or great which and there does come a time there does come a time where like this isn't good enough and like i said on the post game wrap-up show on our site on sunday night i can accept the fact that he's never going to be a rogers a breeze or roethlisberger he's not that type so i can accept that he's just a game manager sort of like alex smith level type and i can accept that the problem is If he is going to be that type of guy, then you have to manage the game. And he has to be the type not to, you know, when you're up 17-0 on the road, you know, bring the win home. You know, take the wheel of the ship and bring the win home. And that's not what he did this past Sunday. He was turning the ball over left and right. He wasn't protecting the ball. You know, it's okay to take a sack sometimes. And when you're up 17-0, taking a sack, the clock's still moving, you live to play one more down, and you punt the ball. Cincinnati's offense up until that point was doing absolutely nothing. It took them you know six seven minutes they move the ball 30 40 yards they end up punting or 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 they would try a long field goal so it's it's okay to just take a sack manage the game you're up 17 nothing you don't need to be a superhero and part of it's on the head coach because he calls these crazy plays sometimes which make no sense when you look at the situation the game but part of it's on the quarterback where you know he has the power to audible he has the power to just not turn it over and you know there's a um, when it comes to Tannehill, there's two segments of the fan base, and it's been this way since day one. There's half the fan base that loves him, half the fan base that hate that hates him. Almost like politics. You're either on one party or the other. And a large segment of the fans who have supported him, you know, since 2012 and over there say we can win with him. We just gotta have a strong defense. we got to have a good running game. He he's okay. He can take us to the playoffs, maybe win a few games. It's possible. Those fans have sort of, after this past Sunday, you know, wiped their hands of him and said, "We're done. it's never going to get any better. It's been 2012 to 2018. It's a large chunk, body of work, and it's just not going to get any better. And I think th- that segment of the fan base is just ready to move on. And honestly, if this year goes south, now look, there's still three and two, but if it were to go south and be one of those years, you know, six and ten, seven and nine, even eight and eight, that's not going to be enough, I think, to save his job. And I think Adam Gase, depending on how this ends, he may be in trouble too, but less so. But even if he stays, they might tell him, "Look, you can stay, but he's got to go because he's been here far too long, and the success and the success on the field just not there."
0: Interesting. It sounds very similar to the Jay Cutler situation here in Chicago when he was here for. All of those years. But real quick, just sticking with your offense, you already kind of mentioned that beaten and battered offensive line down three starters, your center, your left guard, uh, and now your left tackle, um, who he exited last game with a concussion. You know, of course, these injuries have led to Tannehill being pressured more. And I think at least based off of my count last week, at least two of his turnovers on Sunday came under some, you know, some sort of pressure. Um, So I want to know, what are your thoughts about these injuries going up against the Bears' defense that, despite only playing these four games because they had the bye week, they're still second in the league with 18 sacks?
2: Yeah, I don't know how we're going to block the Bears this week, honestly. That's a, I really don't know. Um, the offensive line last year and for the past few years has been an utter disaster. It's been a mess. Um, Laramie Tunsil, uh, I think 2016 draft, he sort of fell in their lap, and it was a nice find because of everything that happened on draft night. But he's been a, he's been a very – Solid player. So left tackle, when he's out there, he's very good. Left guard, we signed someone from your team. Sitting a little bit older, but, you know, very solid player. Unfortunately, he went down after one game. But what they did to fix the offensive line this year is the because they never invest in guards. They just don't feel they have to. They don't want to waste sailor cap money on guards. A lot of teams don't. But finally this year, because of so many years of just poor offensive line pay, a of poor offensive line play, they decided we're just going to pay a guard, at least one, and they went out and paid Sitton. And then Mike Pouncey, who, you know, people hear the name Pouncey. Oh, he's a great player. The past few years, you know, he hasn't been able to practice all season. He just shows up on game day because he has a pretty bad hip injury that he's had a few surgeries on, and they sort of have to rest them Monday through Friday. So they found a way to move on from him, and then they made a trade with San Francisco to get – Daniel Kilgore, who's, you know, pretty good, but he's like about the same age as pouncy nothing special, but pretty good. And on the right side, they left it the same, which I had major questions with, but that's what they decided to do. When Kilgore and Sitton, the two big acquisitions they made, you know, by week four are out for the year. Now you're back to square one in the same group that was horrible last year. And then when Tunsil goes down, your best offensive lineman, you know, it's, it's an utter disaster. And the bench behind him, Ted Larson, he's a former Bear. Mm-hmm. You know, he's had to replace Sitton. You know, he's okay. He, nobody's going to get excited about Ted Larson playing, but he's okay for what he has to do. Um, at center, they signed some guy, Travis Swanson, who's just bounced around the league. Um, he's not very good. And the left tackle, right now, I don't know what they're going to do Sunday if Larry Tunsil can't play. They have Sam Young on their bench. Sam Young is awful. And they have a kid, Zach Stirrup, who's, you know, pretty much an unproven young player. Um, They'll probably play him just because, after what we saw from Sam Young last week, um, he couldn't block you or me. So um, (laughs) the Bears are probably licking their chops. And I think how my I don't know how Miami's going to block them this week. I don't know what the game plan is going to be. It might be a lot of two or three tight end sets keeping extra guys in because it could get ugly.
0: All right, let's kind of transition. Let's look at your backfield because it looks like Miami, they've been doing a decent job at least splitting carries between. Veteran Frank Gore and Kenyon Drake. Gore, he leads the team in carries with 47 and yards per rush at 4.3. But Drake, he's not too far behind him. It does seem, you know, fairly even in terms of at least, you know, rushing. Of course, Drake, he's more effective as a receiver coming out the backfield. But I want to know your thoughts on how these two backs have been utilized at this point of the season and just, of course, their production.
2: Yeah, Drake ended last year, 2017, probably the last five or six games or so, roughly, as one of the best running backs in the league. Um, Adam Gates doesn't use him enough. I don't know why, but um, the way he ended last year, I think it was like him and Todd Gurley in the past, like the last five games, like their numbers are pretty much equal. Big plays, home runs, long runs, long receptions. To start this year, you know, he hasn't done much in the running game this past week. He caught a touchdown and in the passing game, there's very few linebackers, if any in this league, who can keep up with him. That's the one thing a lot of Miami Dolphins fans are frustrated with, that they don't use him more in the passing game because You can't put a linebacker on him. There's no linebacker fast enough to cover him. He is that fast and that athletic. Um, They don't use him as much as they should, I think. Frank Gore, look, Frank Gore, everyone knows Frank Gore is a great player, and he's been a great player for many years. Um, Since he's been in Miami, this guy is even better than advertised. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer all the way. He shows up every game. He runs hard. He does not look... 35 or 30, 60, somewhere. He looks like a 25-year-old out there, and this guy is 10 years older than that. He is as good as advertised. Hopefully, he can hold up over the course of the year. I know it's still early October, so he's still somewhat fresh. But um, as good as they could, he's still Frank Gore. And I don't care what his age is, he is still Frank Gore. He's going to the Hall of Fame. He better be a first-battle Hall of Famer because this guy, with no offensive line behind him last week, really, was, you know – Five yards of carry in that game against Cincinnati. Cincinnati's got a very good line. Miami's offensive line's a mess. He was still getting five yards of carry. The man is tough. He got no fear of running up the middle between the tackles and getting those tough yards. And he does it game in and game out. And he has been a pleasant surprise for the Miami Dolphins this year.
0: Yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, Speaking of interesting, uh, looking at the Dolphins' receivers. Uh, seems like the ball's been evenly distributed so far this year. You know, you have Kenny Stills, you have a Danny Amendola, and then a guy from Kansas City who came over uh, this year, Albert Wilson. He was on a lot of Bears fans' radars this year as we got, you know, head coach Matt Nagy from Kansas City as a guy who could potentially come to Chicago. Ends up going to Miami. Uh, what's your take on just what your receivers kind of bring to the table so far this year?
2: Yes, uh, let's start with Albert Wilson. I had him on my podcast in the offseason. First off, just an amazing guy, an amazing person in general. His story and how he was raised, he was a foster child, he he bounced around from home to home, then he had a fight to get, oh, then he was a um, superstar quarterback in high school but had no offers for scholarships. He had a fight and beg to get his way on a team in a small school. He played well, he had a fight and beg to get, Invited to the combine, he gets to the combine. He just excels there, and he goes undrafted and just shines in Kansas City. And he has lived, uh, He has just been spectacular since being in Miami this year. I mean, when we lost Jarvis Landry, everyone asked who's going to replace Landry. There's no one person who we can replace him, and there's not. But Albert Wilson has sort of done the majority of the work of replacing Landry. You know, he's not Landry, but he's you know he's close. Let's put it that way. He's close. He's tough. He's He's electric when the ball's in his hand. He's played well. Jakeem Grant, you know, very short. (laughs) I think he's like 5'8", 5'9", and that's probably a lie. He's probably a little bit shorter. But another guy with um, great speed and has sort of grown into the wide receiver position because when he was selected in the draft, he was primarily a punt returner and a kick returner. Now this is year three or four from, I can't remember, and he has grown into a wide receiver. Kenny Stills. Everyone talks about his off-the-field stuff with the National Anthem. There's two things people have to understand with that, and if you don't follow the Miami Dolphins, you don't know. Number one, as a wide receiver, he has quickly turned himself not into – I don't want to say a number one wide receiver, but he's knocking on the door of being that type of guy. And number two, if all you know about him is he takes a knee for the National Anthem, I beg you, follow his social media accounts. The work this man does in the community with the police in South Florida – with the hospitals in South Florida, with the children in South Florida. He's more than that. I know that's a horrible topic. I almost hate talking about it on my podcast because people, you know, just flip out. But if all you know about him is he takes a knee, I I implore you, follow his social media account. It's not just taking a knee. He walks the walk. He talks the talk. He does the work off the field. And on the field, he is sort of knocking on the door of being that number one wide receiver. The stats don't back it up just because of the offensive line and the quarterback we have sometimes, but he is a big play at any moment, and he's playing well. The black sheep of the family would be Devontae Parker. This guy was a first-round pick in 2015. There's reports out this week that they're trying to trade him. No team in their right mind would trade for this guy. He's a clown. He's a joke. He's always injured. When he does play, he does nothing on the field. There was a report this offseason that, you know, the guy eats fast food constantly, stays up late hours of the night playing video games in the wee hours in the morning, doesn't take care of himself doesn't act like a professional, he might play this week. Odds are he won't because he never plays. And even when he does play, he does almost nothing. So um, he's been a huge disappointment for the Dolphins. And they've had their other guys really step up, like Wilson, Grant, Amendola, and Stills. Those are the wide receivers who have stepped up and played well. And the speed they have there, very few teams can match. They are very fast wide receiver. If they get the ball in the open field, you know, usually it will go for a touchdown.
0: Good stuff there, Mike. Let's go ahead and just transition over, here, over to your defense. Uh, over here in Chicago, Mitchell Trubisky is coming off that sixth touchdown game in week four, and really a big reason behind it, uh, especially that success, which is due to the offensive line, giving them a very clean pocket to work with all game long. Now, looking at Miami, they're averaging less than two sacks per game this year, so obviously getting to opposing quarterbacks have been a struggle. I want to know, why so?
2: Um, getting sacks has been a struggle, but they're bringing pressure, and part of it is um, Robert Quinn, who they um, who they uh, traded with the Rams this offseason for, has been better than advertised at defensive end. Cam Wake, who's on the opposite side, he missed last week's game with injury. He is 36 right now. He's you know, he's, he, he's up there in age, but he's still Cam Wake. He still gets you 9, 10 sacks a year. Behind him, William Hayes. He was hurt against the Raiders. He's out for the year. Andre Branch has now missed two games. So there are depth of that line is not there right now because of just mounting injuries. And there's one thing um, in our talk you're going to learn. The Miami Dolphins right now are the walking wounded, mounting injuries on both sides of the ball at pretty much all positions. And they are, they're thin on the offensive line to the point where they don't even have quality players. On the defensive line, there's a little bit more there with depth, but they just don't have it. Interior, there's two second-year players who have stepped up and are on the verge of become very good. They are – Devon Gotchow and Vincent Taylor to one was picked around five last year. One was picked in around six in 2017. Both guys in their second year have really emerged as, you know, contributors, big time contributors and guys who can produce from that defensive tackle. The sacks aren't there, but they do bring a lot of pressure, which we saw in the first three weeks with those wins, the pressures there rallying the quarterback, the sacks just aren't there on the stat sheet, but they are bringing a lot of pressure when they're healthy and hopefully Cam Wake for Miami's sake will play this week. We don't know. But if he's there with Robert Quinn, um, that's a nice little one-two punch of pass rushers. And even if they don't get to the quarterback, they make the quarterback move, they give him a little bit of happy feet and make him, you know, be uncomfortable.
0: Sure. You talked about all of those injuries in Miami, which, again, uh, seems like there's a lot that I can kind of understand and empathize with, especially from um, the last couple of years here in Chicago. Not only have we had those quarterback issues, those head coach issues, but injuries have uh not this year, but the two previous years have really taken a toll and like you've probably you're going through it really limits the potential of the team especially when you have just so many but speaking of those injuries, your starting corner uh Bobby McCain. He's out with a knee injury and I want to know like how has that impacted your defense? And also, can you maybe share some insight on some of the playmakers, like, especially in the secondary? Because when I was kind of scouting this team uh, earlier today, I was very surprised to see that uh, Miami, uh, they have a league-high 10 interceptions so far.
2: Yeah. Uh, Bobby McCain's injury, they can overcome that. The problem was their Pro Bowl safety, Rashad Jones, is now playing with the torn Labrum, and he missed two games. They can play without one or the other. Missing both is very... That's a bit. That that is a lot to overcome. At safety, they have a lot of depth. Rashad Jones, he's going to play through this partially torn labrum. I don't know how much longer he's going to play. He'll be out there this week against the Bears. Um, he missed the game against the Raiders and he missed the game against the Patriots. He played this past week against Cincinnati and he played well and he helped them. <coughs> excuse me, and he helped them create a turnover. So when he's on the field, he changes everything because he is that good. T.J. McDonald is the other safety more of a guy who you want to bring down in the box a little bit, not so much a roamer, that guy who's going to sit back there and be that center fielder. Mika Fitzpatrick is, you know, as good as advertised. And I don't know who's going to win rookie of the year this year. Um, it's usually someone on offense. But for the for the defensive side of the ball, if he doesn't win it, I'd be stunned. He is their starting nickel quarterback as well as the guy who replaces Rashad Jones at free safety when Jones can't go. And for a guy who's only played five games in the pros, he, he plays like he's been in the league for like eight or nine years. Huge playmaker, solid tackler, makes no mental mistakes. And he, he, like when you talk about a guy who has fundamentals, he has every fundamental that there is. Nick Saban, now this is at Alabama, where, where Saban has every recruit in the whole country wanting to go there. He started as a true freshman out of high school. You know, a true freshman out of high school started at Alabama, Mika Fitzpatrick, and everyone now knows why in Miami he is that good. Xavier Howard at corner might be, if he's not the best cornerback in the league, he's no worse than the second or third best, all depending on who you might like a little more than someone else. He's top three. And however you want to rank him, he's that good. Um, he's another guy who ended last year very strong. He had a, he had huge games against Tom Brady on Monday night where he, he intercepted him two times. He had a couple interceptions against the Broncos, he had like five interceptions like the final three games last year and has carried over to this year where he has shut down his opposing wide receivers, you know, most weeks. So the secondary is good. Bobby McCain, they can overcome him not being there because he's a solid player. Nothing special, solid. But if he's not there and Rashad Jones isn't there, that's when they got issues because then it's the game of musical chairs where you slide I Mika mean, Fitzpatrick if it's Patrick to safety, now who's your nickel corner? Who's your outside corner? And then you're starting to play guys who, you know, aren't so good. But, you know, when they're healthy, they're probably one of the better secondaries in the league.
0: Good stuff there. Let's transition over to linebacker. I mean, obviously, you know, Kiko Alonzo, he's a beast. I mean, no surprise there. He's leading the team with tackles with 33. Um, I know that your other two starting linebackers, McMillan and Baker, they're still pretty young, but – Again, when I was looking at this team, uh, I saw that they gave up 109 rushing yards per game on average. Is that due to the inexperienced linebacker, the injuries up front for the defensive line, or a combination of the two?
2: Um, there's a lot in play there. First off, Raquan McMillan is in his second year, but he missed off last year with a torn ACL, so he's essentially a rookie. And Jerome Baker was a third-round pick this year. They didn't want him to start. They wanted to bring him along slowly. He was still raw in some areas. But, you know, the other guys they had at that outside linebacker spot really didn't impress in the summer training camp, and he was the best of the bunch. So they're essentially starting two rookies at linebacker. Kiko Alonso last year, he had a rough year in 2017, and it's not all his fault in that he had nobody around him. The guy, one guy he had to his right went AWOL prior to the first game of the year and just, like, ran away from the team for a few weeks. And to his left, he had nobody else. So they moved him back to the outside where he belongs. He's not playing middle linebacker, and he's got, I think, two interceptions so far this year, maybe three, and he's playing well like he should. And the linebackers are young. There's still some growing pains there, but each week you see them start to improve. The rushing yards, part of that is teams are having trouble passing on Miami. So if you can't pass, what are you going to do? You're going to run more. And with their secondary, when it's healthy, with Howard and Jones and Minka and McDonald, you're going to run the ball more. So... Um, teams are running more. And you also have to remember weeks one and two, they played the Tennessee Titans, where they knocked out Mariota early in that game. And once they went to their backup, they relied heavily on the run and they didn't try to pass too much. Week two against the Jets, Sam Darnold's a rookie. They didn't want to overwhelm him and he threw in early interceptions. So they went right to the run there to protect him a little bit. So they faced the run more than probably most teams, which is why they have probably given up more rushing yards than most teams. Against the run. Heading into this year, that was the biggest concern on this team because Sue, Sue was gone. He left for salary cap reasons. They had to let him go. And how are they going to replace Sue? And they, you know, signed just a bunch of guys like Hakeem Spence, just average guys. And everyone's like, how are we going to stop the run? Well, the run defense has actually improved um, from where it was last year. The problem with this team is not on that side of the ball. That side of the ball has some youth, has some promise in a year or two. I think they could be one of the better defensive units in the league once guys like McMillan, Baker, Minka, Vincent Taylor, gotcha. I mean, they're making plays now in years one and two. Come years three and four, they might be really, really good players, and that might be a unit the whole league's talking about. The problem for Miami right now is on offense, as it is an utter dumpster fire, to just be honest about it. It is bad right now with just the injuries and everything else.
0: All right. Hey, Mike, real quick, anything else, uh, either offense, defense, behind-the-scenes, special teams that uh, we haven't mentioned yet today that you think – you know, Bears fans should kind of know heading into this week.
2: Um, I guess two things to stand – I mean, for this Sunday's game, if the game's close, one thing to keep an eye on is the Miami Dolphins have a rookie kicker because you guys signed away last year's kicker in Cody Parkey. He was very good for Miami last year. Um, you guys paid him more than what Miami wanted to spend on a kicker. So they drafted a kid, um, Jason Sanders. Um, he doesn't have a lot of experience. I think he's only kicked like three field goals all year. He's made them all but he doesn't have a lot of experience and in a big spot. Say this game's tight late in the game. Um, how he would perform if he has to make a clutch kick or a clutch extra point uh, would probably be concerning for Miami Dolphins fans. The other thing to keep an eye on for the Bears is um, this Sunday's game at Hard Rock Stadium because the way they lost last week. The fan, bite, the fan base there might just turn on the quarterback right out of the gate. I mean, one incompletion, one bad pass. You might have 70,000 people there booing Ryan Tannehill, and it might be a toxic environment for the Dolphins. I think it's going to get ugly quick. I think the fan base at this point, especially last week's game, that was as bad a a loss as they've had in God knows how many years. They might turn on him quickly. And if they do, um, I don't know. It it might just be one of those things where, yes, it's just fans making noise, but that can just sort of go through a team and just be – Demoralizing, and if they get down and the fans really start to boo, it just might be an ugly scene for the Dolphins. I, I, I gotta be—I don't see how the Bears lose this game because Miami can't block anybody right now, and I don't know how they're gonna block the Bears. And if they find a way to win this game, um, I would be shocked. <laughs> I'd be shocked.
0: Wow, you know it's interesting how much a year can change. Because a year ago, I don't think I had any guest in terms of like an opponent show ever say anything remotely close to that, which. Of course, it puts a smile on my face as a Bears fan, yeah. but it leads right into my last question for you, and it's how I end every Meet the Opponent episode, and it's a two-parter, and the first parter is, um, what needs to happen in order for the Miami Dolphins to come away with a win this Sunday?
2: They have to block the Bears' front seven. If they can find a way, if, first off, if Laramie Tunzel can play, then they got a shot. They got a shot. Tunzel, he's that much of a game-changer at left tackle. If he can play, then he got Larson, Swatson would be going to his third game at center, and the right side has not been hurt. You know, it's not a great offensive line by any means, but they have a shot. Because, look, they were up 17 with that offensive line against Cincinnati with guys like Geno Atkins and Dunlap. You know, they blocked him for three quarters. They had the game won. So they have a shot. If, if Tunsell doesn't play, the Bears win, period, end of story. But that's the key. Can they block the Bears front seven? Because if they can't, they're not going to be able to run an offense of any kind. The quarterback won't have any time to pass. I don't know how they're going to run the ball well. And they're going to have to change formations, keep extra tight ends out. And they're not going to be able to run the offense they probably want to run. So Laramie Tunsell the key. If he plays, then they have a shot to block the Bears. And that's the big thing for the Dolphins. If they want to win, can they block the Bears front seven?
0: And I'm sure you know exactly where the second part of this two-part question is going to go. Uh, just turning the tables, what needs to happen in order for the Bears to win and, of course, the Dolphins to lose this week?
2: Um, For the Bears to win, I would think just don't turn it over because I don't know if Miami's offense is going to be able to put up a lot of points. I think the Bears, you know, Miami's young on defense. Now, they're very athletic, they're very fast, and they're playing with a lot of emotion. They are, you know – quickly becoming a very solid unit, but they still got their flaws. But I think if the Bears don't turn it over, um, you know, I think they're probably going to win again. I don't know if they're going to score a ton of points against Miami, but I just think Miami's going to score a lot. So I think if the Bears are protective of the football, Trubisky, obviously he's coming off the best game of his life before the bye week. If he's anything like that, you know, they should have success putting up points and just don't turn the ball over. And I think the Bears will be okay because, once again, I don't know how Miami is going to be able to block the Bears – defensive line especially if Tunsil doesn't play I mean I can't say enough because you don't know but I say there's nothing behind the guys who we have now starting there's literally nothing behind them guys like Sam young don't belong in the league um Travis Swanson probably does not belong in the league and he's our starting center at this point left tackle if there's no Tunsil we're starting a guy who's like hardly played ever <laughs> I mean it's
0: that bad all right hey Mike that's all I have for you tonight just Thank you so much for you know, taking the time to shed some light on the Dolphins because I really appreciate the insight that you bring to the table and I know our listeners do as well because these first-hand looks are you know super valuable. So just again, thank yeah. you so much. Absolutely. Anytime. Appreciate it. Alright, Bears fans. That's going to do it for this episode. A huge shout-out to Everyone worldwide, no matter where you are, no matter where you reside, who listened to this episode, I just want to thank you very much as well. Up next, Nick, Brandon, and myself are going to share with you our full on game preview on Thursday evening. But until then, bear down, Chicago.